0: Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, built in faith and friendship.
1: The Bible reading is from Exodus chapter 16. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days." So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening, and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little, and then they measured it by the omer. You gathered much did not have too much, and you gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, No one's to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them.
0: Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Um Apologies, it's quite a long reading, but the Lord put on my heart as I, it was a while ago actually, I was in the garden and I was enjoying connecting with food and the land and it came to me this whole theme of, of the manna in the wilderness, um, of how God fed his people for 40 years. And I thought that this Sunday, it's the Sunday of the food festival, it's the week before harvest, it's a time of in-gathering of, of food generally. And so it's a good time of year to focus on God's provision of food through all times. This actual event happened so long ago, well over a thousand years before Jesus, and yet I feel there are so many things that can speak into our hearts today. The background... Um, Some of you are probably very familiar, but some of you may not know so well the the stories of the Old Testament. But God's people had been oppressed in Egypt. They'd grown and multiplied greatly. Um, And in their oppression, though, God was with them and had led them out of Egypt and had led them out away from the hand of Pharaoh who wanted to to harm them and had made their lives so hard. They left in haste. they went at the night of the Passover and they took the desert road. They didn't take a direct road because they might have had been attacked on the way. But as they went through the, the desert and came to the Red Sea, wonderfully that parted for them. So they saw God's hand upon them in so many amazing ways. And continually they saw evidence of, of God's glory. There was a pillar of cloud by by day and fire by night. must have been amazing. They led them so specifically. And the amazing story of how the Red Sea actually parted for them all to go through on dry ground, and then the waters came back and destroyed the Egyptians who tried to follow after them. They were meant to be able to escape. And at that time, they really did put their trust in God, and they feared him. At the very end of chapter 14, it says, um, the people feared the Lord, and they put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. And it goes on in the next chapter, to, um, there's this wonderful song of praise. We've been singing songs of praise to God, and it is really good in times when we know that God has been with us to give him the thanks, to praise him for what he has done. And so they come into this hard place, though. They are in the desert, and they start grumbling. (laughs) And we can look at this and think, how dare they? And then if we actually stop and think in our own lives, probably each one of us this week can think of something that we have grumbled about that hasn't been quite perfect, hasn't been quite how we want it to be. And it is very easy to grumble and to complain we perhaps don't even notice we're doing it. We live in a society that, you know, complaints, procedures in, in organizations, and we're supposed to say when things aren't right. But in the desert, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Aaron was Moses' his brother. They together were the two leaders. Moses was the was the real appoint, God's appointed, but Aaron was his spokesperson. And they said, you've brought us out to starve us. They really saw it in bleak terms. There they were, no longer did they have their land. and, And another passage of scripture says how they had their cucumbers and their leeks and their onions, all the nice things that they used to enjoy, and no longer did they have them. And it is easy to grumble. It is easy to become nostalgic for the past and imagine that it was always wonderful where we were, and the current is not so easy. But one of the key things here is worrying as well, that they didn't respect their leaders. That it was to Moses and Aaron who had clearly been with them, with God had been with them and had anointed them and had led them in this path. They then grumbled against their leaders. And we should notice about this because they were the God's appointed people. And so in fact, if they're grumbling against their leaders, they're grumbling against God. And um, it says in verse 8, Who are we? You're not grumbling against, against us, but against the Lord. The leaders have to make it very clear to them that their gr- complaint is not against human leaders. It's against God's anointed people. So I think there are things here to think about. It's important to trust and respect our leaders, to pray for them, that they do have wise judgment and to remember that if we do grumble against God's anointed, we're actually grumbling against the Lord himself. So that's the start of it. They're grumbling. But we immediately find about Jehovah-Jarrah, our provider, one of the names for God. So we find that God provided for his people's needs again and again, just as he did here. It's a, a story through the ages of God's provision in different ways to meet different situations. And why did God provide? He wanted the people to know it was he who brought them out of Egypt. He is demonstrating his power, his amazing godness. (laughs) He he created all things and all things are possible with him. He wanted them to see his glory and specifically that was fulfilled in verse 10 once they had this pillar all the time with them. We read in verse 10 how very specifically the pillar Um, They looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. I mean, it was just amazing for the people of God. God was just so real to them, appearing to them. And he was responding to their grumbling. In a way, bad as it was that they were grumbling, he nevertheless heard it as a a prayer, as a plea, that they wanted provision in in the desert and needed daily bread. So God was true to his word, and they were asking for meat as well. They were missing their meat, and so it wasn't just the, the bread for the 40 years. He actually gave them this special meal of quail, um, which is a, a, a form of a, a small bird. I don't know if any of you had quail or quail eggs, but they obviously had this lovely meal of Quail one day just wonderfully appeared in the evening. And then the manna started the next morning and lasted for the next 40 years. What do we know about this manna? It's a very strange substance um, to get our minds around. It appeared as flakes on the ground. It melted away when the sun came up. They could bake it. They could boil it. And elsewhere in Numbers it said they could grind it. They could make cakes with it. Um, it was white like coriander seed it tasted like wafers made with honey it looked like resin and described there as tasting like something made with olive oil in, in um, numbers so it was a very strange substance and they were to keep um, a small amount of it in a jar um, in, and that jar went into the Ark of the Covenant together with the Ten Commandments and the iron um, staff that budded so that future generations would be able to look back and remember this amazing time of how God provided. So God is really putting his people to the test. Whilst he's saying, yes, I've heard your grumbling, I'm going to provide, but he does it in a way that clearly says what he wants them to do. He's going to provide bread from heaven for them, this manna, but it is going to be a test. And the instructions are very, very clear they were to gather the manna six days a week, and on the sixth day, they were to gather double. But what did the people actually do? Each could gather just what they needed, and the guideline was this Omer per person, and as Hugh read in the lesson, um, an Omer is about two litres, so if you think of it um, in terms of a milk bottle, you could sort of think of the sort of size, the amount. Uh, that was a sort of average amount, but some gathered more, some gathered less. Um, but whatever they gathered, it, remarkably, it was just the right amount. God provided sufficient for all their needs. And there was a very clear command not to keep it to the morning. And you may recall what actually happened when some of them disobeyed that. They thought they'd test God and, um, presumably they thought, you know, use a bit more next day, save going out getting it. And it got maggots, it smelt, and it was very, very clear that they were not to take take it and keep it to the next day, usually. But God is amazing, and he can do the impossible. That would happen every day, but the command was then on the sixth day, they should gather double, and that time then it didn't rot. The maggots didn't get it, and it didn't smell. Um, So every time, the day before the Sabbath, they collected double. And they baked it, and they could um, boil it and, and make things with it, and it would keep for the day. This is extraordinary. This is not just a few days. This is going on for 40 years, day in, week in, year in, year out, for 40 years. But even then, some struggled with being obedient, and... The next disobedience of some was that they went out looking for it on the Sabbath. They didn't say, listen to God that said, just gather double the day before and you'll have enough. And God was angry. Poor Moses and Aaron, as the leaders, had, um, had to deal with the people again because they had not obeyed God. But they didn't find any where well, they did go that day. God did not mean there to be any. There was to be a Sabbath rest. It says, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. I think it's an important to notice here how it was a special day, a day when we didn't have to do so much. And I think today we are here today worshipping on the Sabbath, our Sunday, and it is good to have a day that's different, isn't it? A day when we set aside and we praise and worship God. And perhaps it is good, too, that we clear aside some of the mundane, the everyday things, that we can get those done in the six days and have one day where we rest, where we can meet with God and be with his people as we are now. So within this story, there are so many aspects that we can focus on. And one of the wonderful things is that it is bread from heaven, literally, that God provided and we read in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3, it says how God fed his people with the manna for the 40 years. It went on and on. It was a whole generation of people had lived through this experience so that the original leaders did not go into the promised land. And it says in Deuteronomy to teach you that man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And does that ring bells with you where else that verse is quoted? Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, um, when the, the stone could be turned to bread, he quoted that verse. Man doesn't live on bread alone. And it reminds us that bread sustains, but it doesn't guarantee life. That's a gift from God. And in verse 4, it says, I'll rain down bread from heaven for you. And Jesus himself then so much parallels this and picks up this teaching in in John chapter 6, where we read Jesus is the bread of life. He calls himself the true bread from heaven, and then he calls himself the bread of life. Jesus is the one who gives us true life. And if we come to him, we will never go hungry. So if we eat ordinary bread, we need another meal. We do need bread to live. But Jesus is the one that feeds us with eternal life. How are we coming to him, the real bread, to feed on him by faith in our hearts? And another lesson I feel that we can bring out from this story is not to grumble, (laughs) to turn the other way. And I think the antidote to grumbling is to count our blessings. We may find that there are lots of things that are hard, that are difficult, but at the same time, God is good and each one of us has experienced many different things that we can give God thanks for and can see as, as um, blessings. It is so easy to grumble and we can compare our lot unfavorably to somebody else. I think the food festival rather highlights that whole world of, of consumerism, of nice food and that others may, may look on enviously and think we can't eat that. But the Lord supplies our our needs, not our wants. Um, and if we find ourselves getting into a negative cycle, praising God for His blessing is can be a really positive way out of grumbling. We can we have enjoyed many blessings and we are enjoying many blessings from God. So look afresh at your situation from God's perspective and from a global perspective. We live in a world, land here where we have many advantages that people in other countries don't have. And I want to focus on that um, in a minute now. And another antidote is just to rejoice. Jesus is the bread of life and he has given us life, the most precious gift of all. I don't know if some of you have come across this, but I think it's quite helpful. Imagine if you can that the world is reduced to a room of 100 people. But it makes it more tangible rather than thinking of 7 billion people, which is so many in the world. But if a room is represented by 100 people, 26 would be children, 74 adults of those, um, 8 would be 65 and older. Obviously, in our country, there's a lot more, but it's this is the global f- figure. Um, there would be 60 from Asia, 15 from Africa, 14 from Americas, and just 11 from, from Europe. 33 would be Christians, 22 Muslims, 14 Hindus, 7 Buddhists, 12 with practicing other religions, and 12 who wouldn't align themselves with a religion. And these are the ones that can humble us in a minute. Oh, one more. Five would speak English, 12 Chinese, and then there's many other languages in the world. 83 would be able to read and write. You're all able to read and write here. 17 would not. Seven would have a college degree, 22 would own or share a computer, 77 would have a place to shelter from the wind and rain, 23 would not. One would be dying of starvation, 15 would be undernourished, 21 would be overweight, 87 would have access to safe drinking water, 13 people would have no clean, safe water to drink. We live in a very uneven world, and as I was preparing and thinking of counting our blessings, do some of you know the the old um, song that goes, "Count your blessings," and goes, "When when your life, when when upon life's billows your tempest tossed, when you're discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done." And it's good sometimes just to stop and count our blessings and be surprised just at what God has done. And as I was preparing this about God providing, I had an email come in that I just felt was so appropriate to um, share. It was from the director of, um, um, the CEO of Tear Fund. And he he shares this amazing example of how God provides. And I've um, talked in churches before now about the situation. The Syrian refugees are in many different countries, particularly Lebanon. There's about 1.5 million refugees at the moment in Lebanon. Um, And this is a story taken from there. The um, CEO was talking to a pastor. And this church, just seven people in 2003, and now it's a 300-strong church. Um, And it reaches out with unconditional love prioritizing people in the most extreme need. And this is a story about Nadia, one of the church members. Um, She'd been separated from her husband. She was still in Syria. She was struggling to provide for her three children. One night, she had a dream in which Jesus appeared. He was holding all the family in his hands, saying that he was going to provide for them. The next morning, she left her home. The house was still locked on her return, However, to her astonishment, the cupboard that had been empty was now full of food. She called her husband, wondering how she could explain what had happened to him. um, Explain what had happened. And and before she could say anything, her her husband told her how he'd had a dream where Jesus was, was providing for all their family needs. The whole family are now reunited and one way or another, their needs continue to be met. But isn't that an amazing story of God's provision? So we read in the manna for 40 years in the wilderness, Jesus fed the the 5,000. There are many stories of where God's provision of food is amazing. And But other times, he uses us to play a part in meeting those needs. So can we play a part in providing for God's people? So not all stories are so supernatural as this story about Nadia. At times, God uses us, his people, to supply the needs of others. And the challenge is to pray about it, to be open to where we can help others in need. So do think about supporting the food bank. You've been told there's the list of items you could provide for that. Do share the frugal lunch together. And don't grumble that it's a small lunch (laughs) we have much provision all the time. We have more than enough. I think having lived in Nepal, it was a very humbling. Most people just ate bread and um, rice and lentils every day. That was their daily meal. And it met their needs. It didn't meet wants of excess, but it met their needs. And you can be well-nourished on rice and lentils every day, just as they were well-nourished on manna, in the wilderness and sometimes we just so want the extra don't we and it's hard to be satisfied with with less so do consider too the needs of the greater world support tier fund christian aid all the other christian organizations helping to make a fairer world and tier funds focus this year is specifically on sub-saharan africa because food is always so scarce there I love coming back to this passage. In verse 18, it says, he who gathered much did not have too much. He who gathered little did not have too little. So can we aim to model that situation that we can create within the body of Christ that sense of sharing so that the needs of those around us are met? So to conclude, let's pray that God can keep us from grumbling that we may respect and listen to our leaders, that they are God's appointed? And are we seeking actively to obey God's commands, or are we like the people of Israel that just had to tweak things and think that they could go out on Sunday, on the Sabbath, and pick the, um, the manna, or that they could leave it longer? Are we actually looking to obey God's commands for our life? Is our trust in Jesus the bread of life, he is the one that gives us true life. May we feed on him. Do we indeed count our blessings one by one so that it can surprise us what the Lord has done? And do we trust God to truly provide for our needs? And then do we look out? Are we helping, seeking to help meet the needs of others around us locally, nationally, globally? Let's have a minute in prayer when we can bring our prayers to the Lord as he speaks to our hearts. A moment of silence. Lord, thank you for the many ways that you provide for us. Thank you for this wonderful account of how you provided the manna in the wilderness. And we pray that we may each trust you that Jesus, you will be the bread of life for each one of us here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at UK